You are listening to the Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is the Willpower Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have enjoyed an episode, then please, please open up Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And if you think we deserve it, scroll to the bottom, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that states where you are from and one aspect of the show that you love. Once you do that, send me a screenshot and I will feature you on a future show and shout you out on my Instagram that has over 10,000 followers. Now let's get to the show with our newest guest. How's it going, guys? My name is Will Holdren, and I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and her name is Peely Yarusi. And Peely is a mom of three kids. On top of that, she has over $75 million in real estate with over 850 units. So it is such an honor to have her on here today. So Peely, thank you so much for joining me today. Aloha, everyone. It is my honor to be on your podcast. So excited for this interview. So excited for this conversation. So let's, uh, I can't wait. I appreciate it. I first saw you on Bigger Pockets. So ever, ever since I saw you on there, like I need to get you on my podcast and fast forward here we are. So it, it's it's honestly such an honor to have you here. Um, uh, it's an honor to be here. And that podcast was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet it was. Those are fun guys. Um, so to start off, I kind of want to go into your childhood a little bit. So can you kind of talk to me about your childhood, what it was like and how it kind of affected you? Oh, geez. Wow. We're going to go <laughs> that deep. Okay. So I grew up in Hawaii. Yeah. Poor me. But <laughs> Little does everybody know that Hawaii actually has one of the worst, if not the worst, home house. I have to change my my vocabulary, houselessness rates in really all of the nation. So I kind of grew up, I don't want to say I was in poverty, but I grew up like living. My mom was a single mother until I was eight. Uh, Thank goodness we had a ton of family and always good food to eat no matter where we went. But it wasn't it wasn't like the lifestyle you think a person in Hawaii might have. It's not, you know, when you think of paradise, a lot of people think of Hawaii and blue skies and beaches. And my life was amazing growing up. My mom did a, she did such an amazing job raising me. But the thing is, it wasn't like it wasn't always easy for her. It wasn't always easy. We were moving a lot. And it wasn't until I was eight that I met my, my, I want to say, I call him my real dad um, because he not only had to fall in love with my mom, but he had to also fall in love with me. And that's where I think, so my mom gave me my power. I think my father gave me my business sense, the entrepreneurship, his family, my family already owned property in Hawaii. Um, My family didn't, my mom didn't. So I started to learn about a little bit, and I didn't realize this until way later in life, how much I had to thank my parents for the person that I am today. That's awesome. But the thing is, like, 
my father kind of instilled that that want, that need to really grow. And today I'm also looking at real estate in Hawaii, but that started kind of the business person and the entrepreneur that I am today. So just to give you a little insight, I hope that helps. Yeah. Yeah, that is super cool and definitely a unique childhood. And I love that you brought that up, that not everything in Hawaii is perfect because I know everyone has that perspective of Hawaii, how it's all paradise, just like you were talking about. Um, so ever since you were young and your dad was investing in real estate and kind of showed you the ropes with that, did you always want to go into real estate or did you ever want to be something else? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't realize I wanted to get into real estate. In fact, I avoided it in my 20s. Somebody asked me if I wanted to become an agent. I was like, why would I do that? <laughs> I, I, I want to do all these other things. So actually it wasn't until 2013 that I actually started and jumped into real estate when I got my license um, and fully immersed myself into the real estate game. Before that, I had an assorted history of different jobs, different uh, just different vehicles to take myself to the next step. I mean, I could list them all for you if you want. I, I've been a librarian before. I was a bartender, a cocktail waitress. Uh, I've managed restaurants. I, I had a berry farm at one point. Um, so these are all stepping stones of learning. Yep, yep. Isn't that the true path of an entrepreneur, though? I mean, it's definitely a path. You got to take those stepping stones once you get to where you want to go. So that's super cool how they all led into real estate for you. Um, so kind of going back to your story, did you go to college and get a get a degree? I did. I did. I actually, I almost didn't though, because um, after my first year in college, I did a student exchange program to New York City, and I almost thought of just like stopping college and just living out my dream and staying in New York City. This is like the early, early 2000s. So I decided, no, I'm going to finish because I only had a semester left, went back, finished. And I, I got my liberal studies degree. I was on my path to, I was on a path to getting my English degree and becoming a teacher, but I decided against that. And I decided to go into theater in uh, New York City for a time. And I also moved to LA uh, in the years, like, I don't know, 2005 to 2009. So like I said, lots of different jobs. Gotcha. So from your perspective, what, what state is better to live in, Hawaii or New York? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to give you my typical answer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just another island. Manhattan is just another island. Just it's, another island. <laughs> That's cool. I love that. That's great. It's, it's, but the thing is, it's such different, like, it's such a different place. I couldn't pick one. Hawaii will forever and always be my home. But you have to understand that I moved to New York in August 2001. What happened in September 2001? It yeah, was two weeks before. 9-11 happened two weeks before I moved to New York City. And the thing is... Ugh, as horrible as that moment in time was, after that happened, New York came together like, uh, it was like you walked around the streets and people had like this dazed look, but like they came together so strong and got together. I mean, people were just lifting each other up in such amazing ways. And I remember my parents back in Hawaii being like, Pili moved back. I was like 21, 22 at the time. 
And they're like, Peely, move back. Peely, move back. I was like, no, if anything, this is the safest place to live. There's no way I'm going to get on a plane for 14 hours to get back to Hawaii, number two. And New York was just amazing. So having to choose between the two, I mean, yes, I would probably choose Hawaii uh, because New York had its time and place. But if you ever have the chance to live there or to experience that life for even just a year, I say, why not go for it? Like jump into it wholeheartedly, um, drink some wine in Central Park or go on, I don't know, a run uh, to the cloisters up in the Bronx. There's just so many different things to experience there. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's life. So yeah, I would pick Hawaii, but I love the two, I love both of them. That's awesome. Well, both places are definitely on my bucket list to go to. So that's cool to get your perspective on it. Um, So going back to you and your story, so you got your liberal studies degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So after college, did you end up using that degree or not using that degree? I I mean, I guess college was useful in a way that it like opened up my horizons. I went from like a very, I was, I was doing theater in high school, but I wasn't one of those louder theater people. I was one more of the girl that walked around with the books in her, in her bag and just didn't really talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so college, what I learned from college was to be more sociable, to be more open, to expand my horizons. So yes, I used my degree. Did I learn, did I use the actual teachings? <laughs> oh. Sorry, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> learned a lot, but no, no. Did I have to go to college to be with the person that I am today? Yes, because I learned so much from that experience. But the actual teachings, no. Gotcha. Oh, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. Like you said before, it's all part of the journey just to get to the end destination. So you definitely had to go through it at some point, which is cool. So after college, you said you had a bunch of different jobs, like a librarian. I think you said something with fruit, something like that. <laughs> um, and then eventually you jumped so, in the world. Well, the thing is like, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to so say was- in college, I actually had five different jobs in college. Like I couldn't just study. Like I worked my head off, just did all the work that I could to like, well, also I didn't want to, I didn't want to have debt. So I paid off college before I even ended college. Like I didn't have any, I never had student debt. So I was always working, but go on. What was your question? Pretty impressive. So I was just curious, like what made you want to switch into real estate after going through a bunch of other jobs before you actually got into real estate? Okay, so this takes me back to 2003. I start working at a particular restaurant and where I meet my future husband. I don't know it yet. We end up, um, I'm managing the restaurant at 23. It's this huge, it was a huge club at the time. I probably had no business managing it, but hey, I was 23. And what I learned there was to hire people that could do it better than me. So all the bartenders, all the staff that I would hire did it better than me. They were all better bartenders than me. Um, move up to 2005, I moved to California, come back to the city 2009. And in 2013, Jason and I finally see each other. Like my husband and I finally actually see each other. You know, we went through other relationships. We had other lifetimes and we finally see each other and we, and we start, we turn our relationship as friends into this amazing partnership. And 
and we decide to work one more year at the bar to manage the bar and then we moved to New Jersey. So at that time, Hurricane Sandy had happened. I think this was 2012, 2013 as well. And that decimated New Jersey. So Jason's family has a house lifting company. I promise the story is going somewhere. Has a house lifting company. Basically what they do is they take houses in the flood zone, they lift it up, fix the foundation, put the house back down. And they did this. And unfortunately this, business got really busy during this time because Hurricane Sandy, again, decimated the a lot, many parts of the East Coast. I mean, we did jobs up into, like, I don't know, con uh, Connecticut um, and into Pennsylvania and all over the Jersey Shore. So they needed our help. So we jumped into the into the business. Jason actually became one of the vice presidents of the business um, at this time. And the next step because I was done with bartending, I was done with bar management and we wanted to start a family. Next step was to go into house flipping. We all sat down and decided that was the next step and that I decided that I was gonna get my real estate license. So that was kind of the journey that we took into real estate. Jason already had a construction background because of his family. I mean, his father's been doing it for 40 or 50 years. Uh, depends on when you ask him. and. <laughs> It was the next step for us to go from this construction business, take his family construction business into house flipping, and then subsequently into wholesaling, small rentals, into large multifamily. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. So since you guys decided to go into house flipping to begin with, why did you decide to get your license along with that? Great question. Um, I get this question a lot, whether or not you have to. So for me, it all depends on your partnerships. Jason did not want to, had no need or drive to get his license. It seemed like a great thing at the time for me to do it because then it would give me automatic access to the MLS. And I got access to education that Jason didn't have access to. It gave me access to how to speak to and to be one of the brokers or the agents and to have that in. Um, and it also taught me a lot about having the fiduciary duty a responsibility to the people that I work with, not only my clients, but I really feel like I have a duty to everyone that I touch because we'll, we can go into this later, but I believe that all the relationships that you make will turn into partnerships. And this is a mentality that started to grow, I think because I got my real estate license and was able to go through that journey. I don't use it anymore. I'm actually, even though I live in Tennessee, I'm actually still licensed in New Jersey and mm -hmm. I'm going to get my license here in Tennessee just because I think it's worth it. I'm gonna jump into the commercial realm, learn more about what commercial brokers do because I have conversations with them all the time. I talk with them all the time. I'm on a clubhouse with them all the time. So why not actually learn what they do? I know what I know in the residential area, but that doesn't help me in the commercial area that I now reside. So for me, it was a yes, but I also had a partner, my husband, who while we were flipping and wholesaling, he could take care of all the off-market stuff and I didn't have to realize, or I didn't have to uh, be responsible for any legal kickback, depending on your state, that I might have gotten because I was a real estate agent. Gotcha. So with, with your license, were you acting as an agent agent, like helping other people buy and sell their homes, or are you just acting as an agent just so you guys could find your own properties to, to flip and stuff like that? 
Uh, both. I did the buyer side um, and I also listed our, our properties myself. Um, but I did the buyer side because I actually really liked doing that. I liked helping people find their homes. The problem is it's so time consuming, especially the way I did it. My buyers loved me because I would show them every house. They wanted to see the house, I would show it to them. And it would take us months to find a house, but I wanted to find that perfect house for them, again, with the fiduciary duty. So it wasn't financially sound for me to do that because even though I liked it, I couldn't systematize it to the point where I liked listing our homes and I liked listing other people's homes, but my focus became totally on the flipping and wholesaling business at that time. So I did a little bit of both, but my, yes, my focus was on the flipping business and, list, and listing our own homes if I could not sell them off market. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and from my perspective, like agents always seem like they work for free. Like they're doing so much work for everyone, if not necessarily a compensation at the end of the road. And so that's just hard for me to comprehend. But yeah, you guys definitely work hard and definitely seem like you work for free. So I, I mean, it's crazy, but whatever, whatever works, you know. Yeah, well, agents, agents, you know, they do make the ones that do it well, make money because they know how to monetize. They know how to really get in there, really market, really get to know their customer base. And they have systems included. Um, those like me just did it because I liked it. <laughs> I really just, I really just liked working with people. So that's actually why I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't well, I mean represented a buyer for a while. Gotcha. Well, as long as it makes you happy. I mean, that's what life is all about. So that's, that's exactly. Yeah. So I kind of want to touch on the fiduciary dues that you guys keep talking about for an agent. So what are some of these duties that agents have to keep up with and give to their buyer and seller? Well, it's really is just putting them, I mean, having a fiduciary duty and I am not an attorney, but attorneys live by this as well, um, is putting your needs before that of your client. Um, basically if your client needs something and you are able to give it to them, you are supposed to put their needs in front of them or put their needs in front of yours. Um, that's not to say you're supposed to put yourself in danger or anything, but that's basically fiduciary duty in a nutshell. So if they want to see a property, if they want information on the property, you need to do your due diligence and as much research as you knowingly can to get that done. So I really took that to heart. I know there's a lot that do, there's some that don't, but I really, really took that to heart. So if one of my clients really wanted information on something or really wanted to see something, I would put their needs ahead of mine, which was really hard because I've throughout my entire real estate journey, when this is something I haven't touched on yet, I, had my first child. I was pregnant in 2013. We had him in 2014. Um, 16 came our second, eight, 2018 came our third. So I've either been pregnant or with a small child this entire journey. So yeah, so it was, it was difficult being an agent, hug your agents, because a lot of them, this is what they go through. This is what they're, they're taught is to put their client's needs in front of their own. So how does that translate to what I'm doing today? I put my investor's needs ahead of my own. I want to know what my investor wants before I even open my mouth about anything that I might be offering because I believe in providing opportunity. But the only way I'm going to be able to provide that, whether you're my client or my investor or, or simply, simply somebody that wants to learn from me, I need to know more about you 
and make you the hero of your own journey, not try and write your journey for you, but to really listen and know how I can assist you. Yeah, that is so important, especially in today's world. And that's just a life rule, like in general, because when you have that mindset, like you said, like you can generate so many different business possibilities in the future. But if you come at it the wrong way, then you're just going to close all those doors. But if you come at it with that way, just so you're talking like, like, how can I benefit you? You're going to prepare yourself a lot better for the future. Exactly. So, yeah, that's super cool. Uh, so kind of jumping back into your stories. Now you guys have a house flipping business. Uh, mm -hmm. How did that go like straight out of the gate? Was it successful right away or did you have any setbacks? What did that look like? Uh, it was successful in the way that we made money. Um, we already had a construction company um, and we knew what we were doing construction wise. Um, we didn't have the systems. We didn't know that we should get mentorship. We didn't know, we didn't, we didn't know the questions to ask when it came to house flipping. So our first and original idea was we were going to add massive value to these flood um, damaged homes. We could basically buy these flood damaged homes almost at cost because of the value we could add to them. Because what we we're going to do is take these basically Cape Cods, these single story homes in the flood zone, not only lift them once, like I told you before, and add a basement or add a garage, but we lift them twice. So now we're up over the BFE, the base flood elevation, and now it has a two-story home. So we've essentially turned a Cape Cod into a colonial on a beach on the Jersey Shore. So we could add so much value to these houses. What we didn't realize, especially with our first one, was that the time it was going to take, we didn't make that transition because when Hurricane Sandy ha happened, the the local like authorities, the local where you go to like get those permits and they didn't, they could keep up. So what used to take maybe a few days to a week was now taking months to get done. Permits were taking like at least six weeks to get put in. So if, and this is for your listeners, if any of my flippers are listening to me, you know that you have systems, you have calendar, you have, you have exactly where you need everything to happen to get to your, to your time constraint. Because if you want to flip a house in say three months, you have everything scheduled out. If you want to flip it in six months, if it's a longer flip, you have that scheduled out. This flip almost took us a year, our first wow. one. How but, long did you think it was gonna take? What was that? How long did you think it was gonna take? Uh, maybe six months. Wow. I mean, really the construction that had to be done, the rehab that had to be done should have only taken six months, but because of the time constraints of the local government, it took us all over a year because we were just haggling with departments and we couldn't get things done and just the entire, I mean, Hurricane Sandy had just happened. So there are so many people trying to get their homes fixed. So many people just simply trying to raise their homes and also just the utility companies getting, getting the utilities cut so we can do any of the work that took forever. So we didn't realize this. So it took us a year. We still made money on this first flip. And this was 2014, 2014 when we did this first flip and but it wasn't the money we should have made. 
and we made the mistake at least two times more before we realized that we needed to get into smaller, not so uh, construction heavy flips to really, really, um, to really, really get into the business, how we wanted to get into it. And then we got into a mentorship program in 2016. Um, and we really, really up leveled from there on out because now we knew, okay, these are the systems. And we started talking to other flippers and the real estate industry, as long as you're coming to the industry, to other investors with a mindset. So I lead with Aloha. That's my mindset. I lead with Aloha. No matter where I go, I try to give as much as possible. I try to enter a room with love, with energy, with light. So if you do this, chances are the same will come back to you. Those that don't want your light, they'll they'll be in the corner off somewhere and you don't have to talk to them. But those that are willing to share, and I've made so many amazing friends, not only in the flipping industry and the wholesaling industry, but I took the same mindset into the multifamily industry. Gotcha. Yeah, that is so interesting how you started out with the flipping and then going wholesaling, small multi, and then bigger multifamily. Mm -hmm. So kind of like summing up, like how did you get to over 850 units when you started out doing one one flipping deal a year? Like, like how does that happen? <laughs> what are the big turning points for you? Okay, so first the mindset piece. It really takes, like say, for instance, my husband runs ultra marathons. I will, I'll maybe do 13 miles on a really good day. I usually like do a mile or two just to like keep it up. Um, yeah. But he'll do ultra marathons. And that seems like mind boggling, right? Yes. But absolutely. you can do it. It's one mile at a time. So it's that one mile at a time concept. It's that take one step, take two steps, get that mile done. Get that second mile done. Get that first 25. Get that next 50. It's the same thing. It's a marathon. This, this is not a sprint. Life itself is not a sprint. And I've always had this mindset that I don't fail because I believe failure is nothing but a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone that you can grow from. I've had many, many failures quote, failures in my life, but I've used them all as stepping stones because when I don't, that's where depression hits. When you don't use that failure as a stepping stone, depression hits because you're not using your time wisely. I fiercely and seriously believe that. So that's the mindset piece. How did I actually get there? So when we have the flipping company, we have the wholesaling company, we open up the wholesaling company because I have a mindset shift. And I, now I know that wholesaling can be done. And it's basically in layman's terms, instead of having to flip the house, you flip the contract. It's a lot of like talk and it's a lot of making relationships and it's a lot of paperwork. Instead of construction, you just have a lot of paperwork and it takes less time. Um, from wholesaling, I was at a RIA meeting and a person comes up to me, a gentleman comes up to me and says, I have these turnkey properties. I'd love for you to look at them. I'm not, and I'm like, no, I have too much to do. I, I think I was pregnant or with a small kid at the time, like I said before. And I'm just like, no, we don't, we're not going to do this. He sat down with me. He was like, okay, look at these numbers. If you're not going to lose anything by looking at these numbers, let me know what you think. I look at the numbers. It works. Uh, Jason and I look at it together and we, both come to an agreement that maybe we should start looking at duplexes and I'm not the one, and this will come to, uh, I'll get to the next point. I'm not the one that brings these big ideas to the table. 
So this is a great big idea that now we're going to get into rentals. We go to Indiana, we see the properties. They're like C minus properties. The entry level was really, really cheap. We basically buy it out of pocket. And we, with this gentleman, create a team. And he basically takes care of the construction. We pay him to do the construction and they do the management. And these are doing really, really well. We hold them for a year, but within this year, Jason has this amazing idea and I'm pregnant with our second child. And he comes up to me, he's like, Peely, we can do this. We have these two duplexes. I'm like, we can do what? We have these two duplexes. If we can do four units, why not 40? Why not 400? Why not 4,000? And I'm like, absolutely not. No. <laughs> and I almost let my own mindset be in the way of our growth. Because right. I was, honestly, I was tired. I was pregnant. <laughs> we had so many balls up in the air. But with education and mentorship is how we got to the next step. And once we close that first deal, and you, you'll hear this, the law of the first deal. I, also, I actually believe Michael Blanc uh, coined that term, the law of the first deal. Once that first deal happens, it's like the world exploded. And all of a sudden, like we knew it could be done. Yes, after closing, there's a ton of work to be done. And we are, we are excellent asset managers. But just the that closing, opened our eyes. So again, with the one mile, so we passed that one mile. It took us actually a year to get to our second one because we just couldn't find the right property. Right. Next mile took a little bit longer and then the next mile and the next mile. And now we're at, I honestly, I, I honestly don't think the 850 number is correct because we just sold two properties and we're picking up we picked up one. We're going to pick up another one. So it's like plus or minus 850. But close, close. it's one deal at a time. That's how you get it done and getting proper mentorship and surrounding yourself. I know others have said this on your podcast, and I'm going to say it again. Surrounding yourself with the best people, surrounding yourself with podcasts like yours, Will, that uplift people, that uplift your mind, that you can learn something from. If you find yourself listening to bad content or you're in a clubhouse room that's not teaching you something or you're listening to music that's not uplifting, change that, change that because everything you consume, whether it is food, whether it is podcast, whether it is education, whether it is books, these things affect you. Even if it's that minuscule amount, but it, sometimes it's that minuscule amount that will make you that next million dollars, that will make you that next building. That little bit of effort, that little bit of effort could be exponential, but you won't know unless you try. I love that. Yeah. And actually one of the reminders I have my phone that comes up every day at 9 a.m. is that you're closer to the finish line than you think. And that's touching exactly on the point that you're saying yes. right there. You just got to keep going because that next step could be that step that you just need to take. Um, yes. So I love I love you brought up that point. So real quick, how long have you been in the real estate game? Like how many years from when you Ooh. first started? So I got my license in 2013. Um, so eight years in. Yeah, eight years awesome. in. Yeah. So like throughout those whole eight years, obviously you had to go through so many ups and downs, get that one deal at a time, just like the ultra marathon, uh, something that you were using. Like you got to think of it one day at a time, one mile at a time. So what I'm curious about is 
how do people kind of avoid burnout while doing that? Because obviously like thinking that's going to take eight years or something that's so far off in the future and I got to work so hard every single day, just to try to get there. Like, I feel like burnout is just bound to happen. So how'd you kind of avoid burnout and keep your passion lit underneath you so you could keep going down that path? So do you want me to be, um, do you want me to be honest or up? I guess I can be honest and uplifting at the same yeah, time. Yeah, both. Okay. Both. So <laughs> honestly, I didn't. I didn't avoid burnout. So the reason why we got into our first mastermind, which was seven figure flipping, was because Jason saw that I was going through postpartum, even if I didn't see it. So whether it is postpartum for a woman who's had a baby or depression in any shape or form for anyone, recognize it or talk to someone is the first thing or listen to those around you. But really it comes down to like your responsibility for yourself because even, and this has happened to me before in life and other aspects until I realized it and I took myself, took the responsibility to take myself out of that position that I was in, that depression I was in, no, but nothing anybody else said was going to help. So Jason being the amazing man that he is saw that I needed something. I just, I needed something to kick start me again because I was just having a hard time. So his answer was a real estate mastermind, which was probably the best thing that he could have done for me because now I was surrounding myself with people who thought the same as me with other, he didn't realize this, but in this mastermind, there were other mothers who had gone, be, gone before me, done it before. I mean, their names are just like filtering into my head. If any of your listeners know me, you probably know exactly who I'm talking about. And these were the women that I, I tried to be like. I tried to model myself after that I got to talk to and be like, I'm, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling this burnout. I'm feeling this stress. I'm feeling this, oh my God. What am I going to do? What, what, what comes next? And speaking about God, <laughs> that's, I mean, no matter what he, he takes us through everything. Right. So Absolutely. just to, just to take it up there for just a moment. Thank you. Um, he guides us through it and he wouldn't put this any stepping stones in front of us, any blocks in front of us, if he didn't think that we could climb it, as long as we stay on the path that he has designated, um, we can climb over anything. So back to that mastermind and back to me finding myself um, through him and through this mastermind, I was in serious burnout. And every year, and I was in the mastermind for consecutive years, and we every single meeting that I would go to, I would basically ask them for the same thing. I was like, I need focus. We have all these balls up in the air. We have so much we're doing. And I, I just, we need our time back. And finally, one of the mentors, who is actually one of our partners now in, a, in our mentorship program and in, a, in lots of our deals, including one of the last ones we closed, uh, he was like, Peely, you keep on asking this of us every single year. Just do it. And I and I like I had this epiphany and I had to like I have to I walked off that stage and I like broke down 
because I realized that I needed to let something go. And that's the moment I realized we had to stop flipping and wholesaling. I know it was a <laughs> probably didn't need to be such an emotional moment, but I had like kept all this inside me for so long. And I finally had to let go of something that we had worked so hard to build, but I knew, I knew we could not move forward unless we did that, unless I let go of something that we built. But again, this became a stepping stone. Even though I tell people that we, we closed the business, we stopped wholesaling, we stopped flipping, we didn't stop doing real estate. We still had that business. We just grew it into something else. It became something bigger and better. So on the way to 850, you're going to have burnout. You're going to have moments where you don't want to get out of bed. You're going to have these moments where, where it seems like everyone is having all the success and you're not. So how do you get past that? Number one, make sure you have systems for yourself, not only for your business. Even on those days where you don't want to wake up and get out of bed, there's days maybe you got to give yourself some grace. But if you find yourself giving yourself grace every day to wake up at 8 a.m., or whatever is late for you, then you're giving yourself a little bit too much grace. Now you're just being lazy, to be put it simple. I'm not calling you lazy, not doing that. But if you have these systems in place where you are getting up out of bed, you're taking stock of your body, you're making sure that your mind is right, you're praying, you're meditating, you are exercising at least a half an hour each day, you are getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, washing your face, making yourself that cup of coffee, reading a book, doing stuff that improves your mind and you're improving yourself first. These are the things that I learned in that first mastermind. I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know that I, because I always thought to myself, I wasn't a morning person. I made myself a morning person. I had to, as a mom, I had to do that. And for your listeners out there that if you, maybe, maybe you're single, but this is great practice for you to make sure that you make that time. Maybe you don't wanna wake up until 10. Maybe you're a night owl. Great, do this at night. Do it when your mind is most focused. Give yourself that moment where you can fill yourself first. It doesn't have to be in the morning, but make sure it is sometime during your day. Fill your cup. Again, that's something everyone says, yeah. but you need to do it. Fill your cup first. That's the only way you. That's the only way you're going to be able to pour into others if your cup overfloweth first. And I think, and I know, God meant us all to have cups that overflowed into one another, and that none of our cups would ever run dry because we were always filling ourselves in order to fill others. Absolutely, I. I'm actually loving this conversation we're having right now. And that's such a great point that you brought up because how many people feel that burnout because they're focusing 100% on their business and they're neglecting themselves, right? When in reality, it should be the other way around. Like you got to focus on yourself first, your mind, body, soul, and get that in the right spots. And then your business is going to flourish and take off. Exactly. And I just know that there's so many people out there that go through that depression, that self, that anxiety you were talking about earlier. And, you know, really, you just got to take a step back and see, okay, what am I doing? What am I actually doing? I need to cut off some things. I need to start focusing on other areas. So I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so important, um, especially for the listeners out there. So that's great uh, stuff. 
It really is everything because if you don't take care of you, how can you take care of others? How can, if you don't take care of, if I don't take care of me, and that's like, that's, I'm gonna stop talking about the general you. If I don't take care of me, how can I take care of my husband, my house, my family? Yes, my husband and I are a partnership, but if he doesn't take care of himself as well, if he doesn't give himself that time every morning, how can I expect for him to pour into me the same way I want to pour into him? Then that's the same with any partnership. So say you have a big deal happening and you have partnerships. I believe everyone's a partner. If you are in my deal, if we are talking like right now, Will, you're my partner. You're my, I'm your partner in this podcast. You are pouring into me as I am pouring into you. And this is a give and take. Same thing with uh, real estate transactions. The brokers that you work with give and take. The partners that you bring on give and take. The investor partners that you bring on give and take. And the thing is, if my cup's not full, then how am I supposed to provide that opportunity to my fullest extent if I don't work on me first? And that is in the real estate sense, that is in the mental sense, that is in the spiritual sense, education, everything needs to be stacked in order for me to pour out. So I hope that helps your listeners. Yeah, and to add on to that analogy, like if your cup isn't full, how can you give anything to other people, right? So that's just, the baseline of that story right there. So I love that. Really great stuff. Um, so before we run out of time, I just have one more question for you. So kind of looking at your future, what are some of the big goals that you want to get accomplished personally, business-wise, for like the next five years? Next five years. So whew, I have a really big goal is to buy a piece of property in Hawaii, farmland in Hawaii, a business in Hawaii and have that and help the people of Hawaii, because I am a native Hawaiian, help the people of Hawaii and give them another person to look up to, to say that here I am, I'm a native Hawaiian, I was able to acquire a farm, a business, some land, whatever it's going to be. Um, I'm actually looking at farmland, farm business. And to be sort of a light there and to bring to bring business and bring sustainable agriculture. And that's already happening there, but I wanna be a part of that movement. The other part of our goals is to go into larger deals, to go into those, into those 20, $30 million deals, larger assets. So I can not only help more of my investors, but I get to help more people as well. So that is the, uh, the multifamily goal and the other one, the Hawaii goal is sort of more personal to me. It's something that I've wanted to do for years now. So in five years, actually, if I have my way, that's going to happen within a year. Uh, that is our goals. That's awesome. You are such a beacon of light like, to everyone around. Like, just listen to you. I love it. It's so awesome. Like, I, I feel better just talking to you. Like, so. Yay. <laughs> Then my my mission is complete. Um, <laughs> seriously, my motto is lead with aloha. Like if I can't jump into this with all the aloha that I have to give, then I won't jump into it. Like it just it's not it's not right for you. It's not right for your listeners. Because um, yeah. why should they listen to someone that isn't in it full force? Because when you put your earbuds in, when you put your earphones on, you are taking time to listen to and to consume other people's content. So that content, like I said before, needs to be on par. So the content that I want to put out there, the stories that I want to put out there, my story that I want want to put out there, I wanna make sure that it's delivered 
in with as much light and aloha as I can as I can deliver it with. Hundred percent. Yeah, that content's gonna dictate like how they feel about themselves mm -hmm. and how they go about their day. So it's so important just like you're saying. Um, so real quick, is there anything else you'd like to say? And if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? So you can find me, the easiest place you can find me is at uh, my website, www.yarusiholdings.com. You can get to everything there, whether or not you want to learn more about investing in multifamily or you want to learn about learning about how we do um, the what, what we do in multifamily. And last bit of words. Honestly, the first thing that came to mind is just be you. Whatever path that you see yourself with or in, that is your path. I can't dictate it. Will can't dictate it. Even if you have a mentor or a coach, they shouldn't be dictating it at, at all. All they are, all I am, especially in this podcast, for this moment, all I am is your guide. All Will is is your guide. So find your path, make those goals, find those actionable steps to get yourself to the goal. And above all, be you getting there. Don't lose yourself in it. Don't lose yourself to the burnout. Don't lose yourself to the hustle. Even don't lose yourself to the success or failure. Just simply be, be in the moment, whether it is success or failure, and use those as stepping stones. I love that. That's great stuff. All right, guys, there you have it. Pili Yarusi, thank you so much for joining me today. So honored to be here. Thank you so much, Will. No way that we go is a one-way street.